Before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast featuring my good friend, Dylan Grice. In this podcast, we discuss the founding of Calderwood Capital, Dylan's new venture, which combines his extraordinary research with an investment vehicle, the ongoing inflation versus deflation debate, Dylan's thoughts on where uranium fits within the ESG narrative, and of course, the world of cryptocurrencies. As always, Dylan is engaging, thought-provoking, and insightful with plenty of his trademark Scottish humour thrown in for good measure. If you're already a fan of Dylan's, then this conversation is everything you'd want from him and more. But if you're new to his work, then just sit back and enjoy what you're about to hear. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including the end game, the super terrific happy hour and the narrative game is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So... If you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. Dylan, mate, welcome to the podcast. So good to get this chance finally for you and I to have a bit of a chinwag. Yeah, thank you. Really um, flattered to be here. This conversation's been about six or seven years in the making as far as I can figure out we've been kind of circling around each other for such a long time we've had a couple of dinners in that time but I uh, my hidden microphone failed on both occasions unfortunately <laughs> probably not a bad not a bad thing after a couple of drinks my English and your Scottish accents get unintelligible but um, as always there's such a, a long list of things I want to talk to you about but what I'd love to start with is Caldwell Capital your new venture and the welcome return of popular delusions which I have to say I missed extraordinarily in its absence. So I guess let's start with Popular Delusions because that predates Calderwood. Just give us kind of the backstory of that, how you started it, what it set out to do and its kind of evolution over the years. I mean, it was originally, um, I mean, God, years ago now, I went to work at Sock Gen with Albert Edwards because um, James Montier uh, had left. Uh, he used to work with, with Albert and um, he'd gone to... GMO to work on their asset allocation team, which is where he still is. And so Albert hired me really to replace James. And, and James had yeah. uh, kind of carved out a niche in the in the kind of uh, banking industry for just, <laughs> it sounds kind of funny to say, but James's niche was that he was quite interesting. <laughs> and like, you know, banking in those days was just really and I think it probably still is but this was before social media and Twitter and banking in those days was really just driven by compliance departments so like a friend of mine who was um, working at Morgan Stanley for example wasn't allowed to use the word crash in his right. research right. Right? because that was deemed too controversial and emotive and it might triggering they call it these days it was triggering yeah. so um, you couldn't really do 
anything. You can say anything controversial. Do it. So um, sell-side research, banking research was really, really dull and drab. And um, Albert was always a kind of outlier. He was always very, very vocal and very interesting. So he had a big following. He still does today. James had that following. James kind of really brought behavioural psychology yeah. and behavioral finance to, to I think, to a kind of wider audience because it had been largely an academic thing. So James started writing about it when he was uh, when he was at the bank with Albert. Uh, and, and so that, so, so that was the kind of team that, that, that I joined. And I'd known James for, you know, for, for years as well. So, so that's kind of where I started out. And, and I started, I didn't want to just write the same pieces as, as yeah. James, but so, so Popular Delusions was, was my kind of newsletter. And I, I, I kind of started writing that and, and kind of had some success. I think I was kind of lucky as well, because it was, you know, it was around about the financial crisis. And, um, you know, I'd always kind of had this, uh, suspicion of really of, of kind of central banks and um i, I suppose you know i, I was quite kind of uh, i was an economist by training but there was always something wrong with with with, with economics i never quite felt comfortable with economics until i started reading von mises and, and Hayek and the austrian stuff and suddenly i realized you know that's what economics should be that's what it should be. that's what should have been doing at university that's what economists should be studying it should be based on these kind of foundations and and so i think i kind of wrote about a lot of that type of stuff at a time when you know the central banks were doing qe and the central banks had totally dropped the ball with the global financial crisis and so when central banks were kind of going around telling everyone that they were right into the rescue, I think a lot of people were just saying, like, you guys are joking, you guys caused this, you guys were asleep at the wheel. And now we, we were supposed to think that, that somehow you know what you're doing. That was a kind of one of the themes that, that, that I would write about. And I, I just think it kind of seemed to kind of just touch a nerve. And, and so mm-hmm. the, the newsletter just became very, very popular. And that was kind of great. But I, I kind of liked to think that, you know, I, I mean, I still do find Austrian economics interesting and I find economics, but really I was kind of an investor. I'd been a prop trader before this. And so I kind of felt that I had quite a lot of, you know, ideas on how to build portfolio yeah. and how to, how to invest. And no one seemed to be interested in that, but everyone seemed to just want to know, you know, what I thought about gold. <laughs> so, you know, after a while it kind of got a bit boring. And so, yeah, so I ended, I ended up leaving and, and I went off to a kind of family office and, and it was like it was like the opposite of SockGen. Where SockGen, it was all about writing, and there was no investing. Yeah. The family office, it, it was really about investing, and there was no writing, which I totally loved, by the way. But uh, and it was great fun, and phenomenally educational. Uh, you can read as many books as you like, but you ultimately had to do it. And so, you know, that kind of experience was was kind of invaluable. But you know, again, that kind of reached its conclusion, and um, and I. I wanted to both write and to invest and not really have to choose one or the other. Yeah. That was the basic idea of Coldwood Capital. So we you know, we run a research subscription business, which is popular delusions. Um, but we also run a, a hedge fund. And, and you know, I, I, I cannot recommend popular delusions highly enough. I mean, it is such an extraordinary read every time and it is so different. And I'm interested in Thank you. the differences. Well, look, you, you know, I've been a fan of this thing for years and, and I, you know, I, I read it as soon as I receive it every time, but I have noticed the change in style and tone, and I think what you've just laid out there kind of crystallises that. It is a lot less about the big picture, here's what's going wrong, and and it, I guess in tandem with Calderwood now, it drills it down into here's what you should 
do about it? How have you found your writing style changed after the hiatus? I, I think you're you're absolutely right. I, I think it's probably I think it's a, a little bit less ethereal than it used to be. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit less philosophical and abstract than, than it used to be. I think that, you know, a really good kind of barometer of, of your kind of entertainment value when you're writing really is how entertaining you find it. And I think that a good kind of way to gauge that is, you know, how kind of uproariously do you laugh at your own jokes as you're writing them? <laughs> right? Because I quite often, I remember Albert used to sit and just, you knew he was writing because he was basically just kind of wetting himself. You know, you could hear him in the office just just chuckling away and laughing to himself, right? And it's true, you know, I think when I'm, when, certainly when I was at Salt Jen, I used to write, I used to just, used to piss myself laughing at my own jokes, right? Yeah. I, you know, I always think, you know, if you can't laugh at your own jokes, then, you know. You, know, <laughs> you can't so expect anybody else to, right? Exactly. Right as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I still find myself laughing a lot at <laughs> my own jokes when I'm writing. So hopefully it's just as entertaining as it used to be. But I said, the subject matter is different. And the reason for that is because, Listen, I, I, I still don't like central banks, right? I still think that they're the phonies. I think that they don't know what they're doing, right? I don't really trust their judgment. I'm not even sure I trust their integrity. Um, there's a whole big long list of things I don't like about them, but, you know, how many times do you want to say that? How often do yeah. you want to yeah. keep no, you're right. and repeating it and repeating it? And, you know, the, the danger is, and this is something I found when I was on the sales side, is that if you repeat a story which is a big hit, and suddenly you've got this kind of fan base, you've got a bunch of followers, you know, the followers kind of just, they want to hear that story again and again and again. And before you they, know they, it, Yeah, they only want the greatest hits. They don't want the songs off the new album. That's right. right. They just want, they, you know, like the kind of the ACDC guy who was kind of criticised, who's saying, you know, someone criticised him and saying, your, your, your records sound the same. You know, they always sound the same. You haven't evolved. And he said, look, ACDC, we, we, we started it to, uh, to make music that we thought 16-year-olds would like. Right, that's what we're still doing. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, which which is kind of fine. But yeah, I personally just kind of got a, a bit bored of it. But B, there is a danger if you're trying to please the crowd, you just start repeating that story, and you, you start yeah. to kind of go stale. And so you start to, as an investor, you're or even a hopefully a keen observer of markets. Then your your job is really to be alert. Uh, and if you're just kind of stuck in that easy groove that there's always an audience who you will always turn up to hear you sing the same song, yeah. then you stop being alert and you start missing what's going on. You start missing the new stuff. You start missing the controversies. And so you don't get the same stimulation from the market. And ultimately that's what, you know, what, what I kind of thrive off. So I think that today what we write about is not just me, is driven by what we're investing in. Yeah, well, and that, that does, and that dovetails with the fund, right? Yeah, it makes a big so, difference. So yeah, I, I think it's probably more practical, and frankly, it's probably less accessible. You know, I think that's also true. I think it's written much more for investors rather yep. than just kind of interested laymen. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely right, and I, and I couldn't agree more about the. Say when you're writing, I found the same thing over the years. I, I, you have to write for yourself because if you find it interesting, you have to trust that the people that enjoy what you do will also find it interesting instead of, as you say, I mean, look, the central bankers, they used to be a variable, now they're a constant. And so you can't really, you're right, it's, there's no point, you can refer to it, but what what else is there to say at some point the, the denouement will occur and then people will either go, see, I told you so, or just keep a dignified silence. But yeah. they still do have an effect, but we all know. Well, it's also, you know, it, 
Oh, by the way, I, you know, at some point the new milk will occur, or it won't. Right? Maybe we've just got <laughs> what that's wrong. Maybe we've missed something, yeah. and, yeah. that, and that's okay too. Right? But I, again, I think. Um, The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.